Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, it's Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Just wanted to start the show off with a little little ceremony, um, just a little remembrance. Um, that's a little loud, Sarah. You're coming a little hot. Uh, we lost a good friend. Uh, the wonderful FYI website. Uh, maybe it's just gone. Maybe it's sick in the website hospital. I don't know if that's a thing that exists. But um, just want to start the show out with like a little prayer. So we can maybe talk about. Maybe our it'll favorite. be up by the time this episode. Maybe is it'll be up, and this isn't gonna make any sense. But right now. I mean, I've been checking. I've been keeping vigil all fucking day. And so I'm scared that we're going to do a repeat, a, a do-over. We have no way of knowing without this precious website that's some this stranger. This website that we had nothing to do with that has guided our entire show yeah. ever since its creation. I don't know who the fuck goes first this week. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough, tough putt. And so if you're out there, wonderful.fyi website, the creator of it specifically, because websites aren't sentient. Oh, that's my favorite part. My favorite part is when she sings in the arms of an angel. <laughs> if you're out there and you need any sort of assistance, I would die for this website. Thank you. It's a good song, huh? A lot it's of people, a, very good song. a lot of people like to make jokes about it, like me, 15 seconds ago. <laughs> but it's a nice song, mm-hmm. and it's actually my first thing of the week. My small wonder is the wonderful website. Come back, please. And then also that one song by Sarah McLaughlin that I always think is called "Arms of an Angel," but it's just called "Angel." Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you think that people, when they work out and they get big, strong biceps, they like to refer to themselves as having arms of an angel? because of how beautiful their arms are. I've never had a bicep, so I wouldn't, I don't know how these people talk about it. On this show, we talk about things we like. Do you got any small wonders? You go first. Uh, My first small wonder this week actually is um, a real one. I mean, the other two things I talked about are good, but um, queso, have we talked about queso before? I'm almost certain we have. I'm almost certain we have too. I made it myself here for um, the big game, the big, bad, boring Awful, mm, awful, yeah, awful. It was game. really a terrible game. This is maybe only the third time on this show that we've said something is bad. And so I think that that should tell you something about the quality of the game. But the quality of the queso is undeniable. And also, I made like four gallons of it, and that was a bad mistake. Oh, I have a wonderful thing. Okay. What is it? Uh, just meal delivery apps. Okay. Griffin's getting ready to leave town to go on tour. True. And normally I would be scrambling. To try and put groceries together, but I, it occurred to me, meal delivery apps. Yeah, yeah. Don't there's have to worry so about many, it. There's so many of them. Bless, bless it. You got a fave? You a DoorDasher? You? Uh, I don't want to buzz market. No, let's buzz it. I mean, we we get lots of favor. Let's not say the name of it, but people do favors for us when uh-huh. they dash to our door mm-hmm. and. Yum Express is my new one that I'm launching with Jeff Bezos. We're working on it together. He's working on a competing one to Amazon restaurants with me, and it's called Yum Express. <laughs> what does Yum stand for? I'm glad you asked. Yummy uh, meals. So yummy is in the acronym itself. <laughs> okay. I think you go first this week. Are you? But we have no fucking way of knowing for sure because the world is a cruel and random place. Well, we can look at the episode description. No, who's got the time? My first thing. Yes. Tooth fairy. Hey, okay. You know, I've heard of them. Uh, I've been a long time since I've got a visit from this old partner, though. I am curious what your tooth fairy experience was like growing I, up. I mean, the question. 
is the exchange rate, right? The question is the exchange no, rate. No, not necessarily. There are a lot of different ways that a fairy delivers teeth. Uh, delivers teeth? Sorry. What? Well, hold on. <laughs> what was your tooth fairy experience? I misspoke. A lot of ways that a fairy picks up teeth. Right, yes. And I was curious what yours were. Can Do you I remember? S- can I say something? Yeah. I remember getting a dollar per tooth. That was the, that was yeah, the rate. Yeah, me too. Um, which I never thought was especially bougie, but apparently like a lot of my friends had quarters and that's fine. But like, I mean, you, you, you spend the quarter on a gumball. Now all of a sudden you got 75 cents. It might be easier to get under a pillow. That might be what it is. It's just non-discreet, not selfie parents. Um, there was a point in my life where the tooth fairy didn't go under my pillow any longer, but went on my nightstand. That's insulting, isn't it? Tooth fairy's like, yeah, had a great time. Not getting under there. No, I was saying, <laughs> I was doing Uh-oh. it like you and the tooth fairy had oh, it. Oh, Griffin, Well, no. yeah, we'd listen to tooth fairy fucks probably. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah, you know what's messed up? I'm a 31-year-old full-grown man, and I don't actually know how my parents got the dollar under my pillow. Because did they come in literally while I was asleep and put their hand under the weight of my head, which is a fucking... (laughs) You made a face way too fast at that. You made a face way too fast at that. You made a face... It was... was, Y'all couldn't see it because you're not in the studio, but like like four nanoseconds before I made it clear that that was going to be a funny joke, Rachel made a face like, oh no. (laughs) Well, I was just picturing it was a two-person job so like one of them had to hold the pillow <laughs> winch to get and in there the other one yeah it in. i don't know what that magic was i'll have to ask uh you know daddy mm-hmm. um, but yeah i would i would lose a tooth and then i would get a dollar and then um i had more than one day when i was a kid where i lost more than one tooth in a day but yeah. i still think i only got a dollar for those teeth. Ooh. I had one day when we were on a winter retreat with my church's youth group where oh, I lost no. I lost three fucking baby teeth in a oh, day. Jesus Griffin, what happened? And my like my parents, like by the time I got the third one out, like it wasn't even I didn't even I don't even think I told them about it. I think there was just like a third <laughs> tooth that I was just like holding and they're like, What the f- why is there you there's a third one? Oh, that's grotesque. It's weird to think about, but I, I, before I got braces, I got teeth pulled to like make room because my, yeah, me my, too. Oh my God, my gob was so fucked my up. My teeth wouldn't fall out on their own. Like the permanent teeth would start coming in oh, over yeah, them. Yeah. It's so gnarly. I know it's, it's upsetting to talk about, I'm sure, but I got five teeth pulled to get ready for the operation. I think I got like four. Which makes me think that I just lost my teeth in like four lump sums. I was like, <laughs> like I was a snake or a tarantula <laughs> molting. It's like, um, but yeah, so a dollar, a dollar per, per tooth. And I do not know how the fuck they got it in there, but we didn't have an allowance. So it was pretty fucking sick when I lost a tooth. Oh, so you just did chores for the sake of chores. We did chores to live in the house. <laughs> <laughs> we got to, we got free room and board, um, and, uh, did chores for it or also we, our parents were very disappointed in us. So there is a lot of stuff around the world about losing baby teeth. Okay. There's a lot of like ritual associated with the loss of teeth. Nobody's just like, oh, a tooth in the way that like people are about like you know, fingernails. Yeah, or, sure. Yeah. So uh, there is actually somebody, uh, a researcher named B.R. Townsend that distilled the rituals down to nine forms. 
One, the tooth was thrown into the sun. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about like throughout time and across the globe. Yes, These yes. Are, okay, so yes. the tooth was thrown into the sun. Thrown the, into the sun, number one. By who? By who? By the tooth fairy? I don't, I, this is a distillation of all the rituals. This is not detail. I get that, but you can't just say something like <laughs> the tooth was thrown into the sun. Uh, the tooth fairy is a relatively new creation. The tooth fairy came around in the 1920s. Okay, but uh, here's the two situations I'm trying to decide, and I'm not going to do this for all nine of these, I promise. Okay. The tooth was thrown into the sun. Does yeah, that mean I imagine... the, kid, the kid wakes up and mm. the parent is like, a guy came and threw your tooth into the sun? I imagine the child was taught to go outside and throw it into the sun. That's the second scenario, and that one's way wilder, because how strong is this kid? <laughs> In the direction of the sun. I don't think they expected Still, it. I don't care like when this was or where this was. They probably had neighbors. That's rude, folks. (laughs) Well, it wasn't necessary to make it to the sun because number two on the list of rituals is thrown into the fire. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Good. That's good. Eating cooked tooth. Number three, thrown between the legs. So, you know, like a football, you bend down, you you hike that tooth. It's not like a football. Don't try and rationalize this. Somebody do that. Are you do? Are you do? Are there booths, private booths for you to do this in? I don't want to see you huck a fucking tooth between your legs. Well, have you ever like spit out your gum while you're walking around or or like a like a pumpkin seed? I wouldn't or... spit my gum out while I'm okay, like, what okay. the, what, okay, spit I'm my sorry. gum out I'm while I'm talking? Am, sorry. I, am like I a, a deranged murderer? Like a sunflower seed shell or a peanut shell? I still feel good. I would only do that at a baseball game or a Texas Roadhouse. You want to know number four? Do you think you're allowed to throw whatever the fuck you wanted? If you bring sunflower seeds into the Texas Roadhouse, <laughs> can you put that on the floor? I feel like this was an actual question on the Bim Bam. Maybe. If I bring a whole watermelon in there and just like start cutting it up, can I just <laughs> drop the rind on the ground? And then like dirty diapers. Uh-huh. So uh, this is amazing. Clip your fingernails. Sure, sure, sure. Do you want to know all of them or no? So badly. Are okay. you kidding me? Number four, thrown onto or over the roof of a house, often with an invocation to some animal or individual. Okay, that one. I, can I say something? Is a double standard. That one I'm super into. Yeah, because I mean, if you can get it over the roof, like you get ten more points. Power to you. But also, you shout like, "This one's for you, Mister Owl." I love it. That's <laughs> fucking great. Number five, placed in a mouse hole near the stove or hearth, or offered to some other animal. Yeah, I mean, whatever goes in that mouse hole, you're never going to see again. Well, and I just kind of like the idea, like. Oh, what would that be for a mouse that would be like a little button on its jacket? Yeah, or like a little poof that they, you know, guests can sit on whenever uh, they yeah. have friends over oh, for a big party. Nice. Like a little TV tray. Yeah. Oh, alternatively, the mouse could be like, hey, guys. <laughs> no, I don't I want I don't want this. your big tooth. <laughs> I'm little. This well, is it's big a baby. To- it's a baby tooth. It's still their mice, Rachel. <laughs> uh, number six, buried. Which, like, makes the most sense to me. <laughs> I guess in the sort of waste disposal sense. Maybe, maybe a, little, a little tooth tree grows out. Oh, that's great, baby. Yeah, nice. Actually, you know what? That's scary as fuck. A tree made out of teeth coming out of the ground? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty scary. Who knows what that thing's going to be? Or like a, like, a, like a sentient tree that has eyes, nose, and a mouth. I'm into this now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. I, I lost attention for a second. I'm not into that. That's, that sucks. That's scary and bad. <laughs> Uh, number six, uh, oh, number six is buried. I already said number six. Number seven, hidden where animals could not get it. 
So we're either giving it directly to animals while invocating their name or or making sure they can never get their fucking grubby, filthy paws on it. Placed in a tree or on a wall. That one's quaint. Or number nine, swallowed by the mother, child, or animal. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) The mother, child, or animal? Yes. Those are the three options. Those are three options. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Ranking them. Throwing it on the roof while yelling an animal name is obviously the best one. And I'm going to make my presidential platform is going to be regular, <laughs> making that normal again. Uh, last place is probably sw- definitely swallowing Can it. Can you imagine cleaning out your gutters at the end of the year? <laughs> at the end of the year? How many fucking people live in your house that are losing all these teeth? I mean, people had a lot more kids back then to yeah, like true. till the fields. And so their gutters would just be full of teeth. Okay, I noticed that one of those wasn't stolen by a parent and replaced with no. cold hard cash. No, so in the 1920s, the first print appearance of the Tooth Fairy was in an eight-page playlet for children, uh, which is like a three-act, like a little short play for kids. Okay, uh, what, was this published in something? Oh <laughs> no! This must have been a pretty fucking dope tooth fairy play for it to like you spread <laughs> well, across you know, the. You know how it is, like where like a mythos starts and then they go back to try and find the first evidence and print of it. Uh, That's what this is. This yes, isn't like I may be talking about that in about eight minutes for okay. a different thing. Okay. Uh, so nineteen late nineteen twenties is around the time where Disney started to like really popularizing the whole the whole fairy. Interesting. Thing with like Pinocchio and Cinderella. And so this like whole fairy idea was like taken off in, in the US. Was Sleeping Beauty the one with the three fairies who had like the different colored clothes? I've never yes. seen Sleeping Beauty before. Yes. I'm only familiar with their work through the lens of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> okay. Which, God, it sucks I don't talk about, write about video games anymore because, folks, I got some thoughts. Not the time, not appropriate, not the time or place. Every week you've been talking about that Kingdom Hearts, I've noticed. Yeah. But this is not the time, not the place. Okay, so there there is uh, a number of people that have studied this whole phenomenon. I would hope so. Where they talk about kind of the rites of passage and the role the tooth fairy plays among your rites of passage growing up. Okay. So uh, according to somebody named Arnold von Gennep, uh, there are three stages in a rite of passage that mirror closely the whole experience of tooth loss and tooth fairy. So first there is separation which is the tooth falls out and then the child leaves the tooth under the pillow. Right. Transition, which is the gap in the teeth and the, uh, the child going to sleep that night. What are we talking? What are we talking? What are we talking? We're talking about about rites of passage, the three stages associated with every rite of passage. So this is a symbolic thing. Yes. Okay. He's talking about how the experience of losing a tooth, leaving it out for the tooth fairy, and then receiving compensation mirrors the experience. Uh, And then the final is incorporation, which is where the new tooth grows in and the child wakes to the gift of money. See, I don't even even think the money you need. Because the gift you get is a bigger, stronger tooth that you're going to have soon. You know? Why can't that be reward enough? It's not all about the money, folks. Do you want to know? So in 2014, uh, researchers at Visa did a study to find out what the average amount was. Is it going to make me upset? Probably not. Okay. $3.70. Yeah, you're right. That's fine. You know what that is? That's a, that is a... Uh, a median sort of leaning upwards, trending way upwards, actually, between the parents who leave $1 and the parents who leave $5. Exactly. The $5 parents 
uh, by which I mean Bill and Melinda Gates. (laughs) I don't want to be $5 parents. That's wild. Yeah, no, I don't think we need to be. How many baby teeth do you get? How many baby teeth do you have? Like 26 or something? Uh, Yeah, something like that. I want to give Henry, first time he loses a tooth, a debit card with $26 on it. And just say like, and now it's your responsibility. <laughs> we should at least put in a savings account so you can earn some pennies there on that money. Yeah. Or maybe just, you know, a Target gift card. Because he is a child. <laughs> and children fucking love Isaac Mizrahi and all of his great designs. <laughs> can I tell you about my first thing? Yes. My first thing is Gashapon or Capsule Toy Machines. I mean, I I enjoyed them when we were in Japan, I guess. Did you not use like capsule toy machines when you were like a little kid? This was not a thing. Capsule toy machines in like every single grocery store in the history of mankind. You wouldn't yeah, see those things and they, just go like, mm. When I hear capsule toy, I think more specifically of the Japanese phenomenon. I don't, well, what I think of is like the little machines at grocery stores they're like little gumball machines. Well, they had gumball machines. They I had, guess they had little homies. Little homies was a thing. And then there was sticky hands and, you know, oh, balls, super balls. And you're right. There's you're a, right. And the, like the fake jewelry. And it, you got to open your mind up. You yeah, got to open your mind up. It's right. not all just about. And, and in, in Japan, it's obviously like its own thing. And I'm going to talk about that because I think that that is also pretty buck wild and cool. But when I was a little kid, man, and like going to, it, it's they're almost always positioned at places that I don't want to be at as a five-year-old through, you know, 11-year-old. Yeah. And so seeing like, well, there's some toys in there. I mean, we're going to walk around the Kroger for an hour, picking out our stuff. But why don't I go and crack over there and get myself a little toy and then we'll, uh, we'll get right back to it. What do you say? Now, that's something that hasn't really gone up in price. Um, not entirely true. I, I remember sort of the, uh, the addition of, I remember the first time I saw a 50 cent capsule toy machine and I was like, that's half a tooth. Um, (laughs) there's definitely like $1 ones. And in Japan, like Gashapon machines can run from like the, the average is probably like a hundred to 500 yen, which is roughly one to $5. So that's like a one tooth or one rich person's tooth. Um, (laughs) And but they obviously like it has its sort of different thing there. It has more of a collector vibe. The toys are that's true. like kind of nicer. Uh, I, when I was researching this, apparently there's like a uh, a brand of like Gundam toys, like the big mech anime uh, that have like light up LED components to them. Whoa. Big fancy toys. Um, so I, I, I think the whole thing is is super neat. Uh, and I was trying to learn a little bit about it. Uh, weirdly enough, like there's not a great source on like who was exactly the first one to do this because uh, vending machines, especially like bulk vending machines, which is what sort of uh, gumball machines and uh, stuff like that sort of used to be categorized as uh, were, were, I mean, a thing long before uh, they were specifically this thing before they were, you know, toys sold in capsules. Um, Apparently there used to be machines that would just have sort of uh, toys and candy just kind of all mixed up floating around in there. Oh, that's weird. It's weird. And I, I'm kind of into it because I like, I do like both those things, but it would be hard because candy eventually, goes bad it would be hard to kind of keep your hands on a bunch of loose candy my library of course had uh not capsule toy machines but like candy vending machines by the by the front um and your 
your public library? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and geez. one of them was Runtz. We've been talking, Runtz is getting a lot of fucking free air on this show. <laughs> but I remember that the level of the Runtz never changed because nobody ever bought these Runtz. And I always wondered, like, these Runtz are probably no, no bueno. Um, so anyway, this is what I found out. Um, in 1936, there was this dude named Samuel Epi which is fun. Uh, and he helped sort of push the, the uh, invention of bulk vending machines forward. He was working on a project for a company whose name was literally Gum Inc. Gum Incorporated. Oh, that's fun. Uh, they made school supply products. No, they made gum for you to chew on. <laughs> and Samuel Epi was trying to sort of invent clever new ways of getting that food, that, that, that food, gum is food, in kids' hands. Uh, and so he made these little plastic charms that could be encased with each sort of piece of gum that could be sold in these bulk vending Wait machines. Wait a minute. So people would have to chew the gum to get to the toy? I mean, this is the same as like opening the pack of baseball cards just to get to the gum. Yeah, but... You put the toy in your It's not in the gum. Oh, okay. <laughs> it all was sort of in one sort of capsule. Uh, and so this uh, this idea was a big failure, but he kept sort of trying it. And then sort of that is kind of attributed as like the first capsule toy thing. Um, but really, the idea of like gashapon, uh, which is the, the sort of the Japanese word for it, which I never, uh, I obviously like my Japanese vocabulary is limited to stuff they say on Terrace House and stuff I've needed to know how to say in Japan to like get seats at restaurants and stuff. Uh, gashapon is actually onomatopoetic, where gasha is the sound of the like mechanism turning in the machine, and pawn is the sound of the capsule hitting oh, the. Oh, that's delightful. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that that. That sort of uh, is worth the price of admission, I feel like, for this segment on Wonderful. Like, that fact alone was really great for me. Um, so there's this guy in Japan in 1965 uh, whose name was Ryuzo Shigeda, who um, was uh, an exporter. And he exported sort of, like, cheap goods to the U.S. And one of his clients there sent him a bulk vending machine. Uh, and he kind of thought that the idea of, like candy and toys being sold in these things was kind of gross so he started to explore like well what if we just sold toys in it for like 10 yen a pop uh and started selling that outside of his store and that is sort of attributed as being like where it took off in in japan for the first time uh and then he kept like pushing things forward more and more in 1977 a company called bandai uh which holds a lot of like huge licenses today uh they started sort of selling their own gashapon which they actually trademarked the word gashapon uh and they they price them at more sort of premium prices. So instead of 10 yen, it's, you know, getting around that 100 yen price point. And now it's stuff like for big manga and anime and game series like like Gundam and Ultraman and other big stuff like that. And so, like, that's sort of why it's a different thing there than it is here, where there you, you know, buy these figurines for these different licenses, these different franchises that you really like. While here, it's like, well, there's a sticky hand that I want to be able to play with for eight minutes before <laughs> yeah. it gets too much stuff on it. Uh, and there have been, like, weird booms in the Gashapon market in Japan. There was a thing, and I actually remember these, even though they must have come stateside in some degree. Uh, in 1983, they were introduced to uh, Gashapon machines in Japan. They are called Kiniku Man Keshigomu, and they are, like... Uh, they made a bunch of different types of them, like hundreds of different types of them. And they were just little rubber dudes, uh, often sort of, like, big, burly strongmen 
who were just made out of rubber and you could use them as erasers and they were all different colors and there were so many different kinds and people just went fucking ballistic about them they sold 180 million units of of these little eraser men uh which i think is very very good and i don't know how i know about these because i wasn't even born yet and obviously yeah that's interesting i like it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and so then in the mid 90s, uh, they sort of the price point sort of escalated again. And that's how you get to that like 100 to 500 yen price point. Uh, and now like, you know, Neon Genesis Evangelion and like all of these different like huge franchises are selling sets of toys that now you have to, you know, press your luck to try and complete the whole set. People are yeah. selling the different pieces like wholesale, like rarer finds. And there starts to be a secondhand market. And then recently in 2014, I didn't even know about this. Uh, and I have played the game before. There's this thing called Yokai Watch, which is uh, sort of new Pokemon kind of, except it's like ghosts sort of. Uh, and that has like led to a, a very recent boom in the, in the market. Um, for me, I just like, I don't know. I was obsessed with, with putting putting a quarter in a machine and getting a random toy out of it uh, because, boy, I could really make those things last a long time. I remember there were these little plastic ninjas that were probably like three quarters of an inch high and they were different colors and different poses and they would have different weapons and they yeah. were super, super cheap. But I was like obsessed with them. I had dozens and maybe, maybe hundreds of them and I would make my own little plastic ninja army. Uh, they had them in the machine at my Blockbuster like down the street and I remember just going in there and just like dropping like 50 cents in and getting two new ninjas for my Did every location you went to have these vending machines? I'm just now thinking about it. Maybe it was a distinctly Huntington thing but (laughs) pretty much everywhere I went would have these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm surprised my church didn't have them. Um, So these days, I I never thought about this through this lens but these days like the Gashapon market has been largely supplanted by blind bags which is this functionally the same fucking oh, thing. Yeah. If if you if you don't have a, a a child in your life in some way, like everyone's just buying these bags that are gonna have a random toy in it, and that's like the whole thing. That's like all they. That's all that kids like at yeah, all. Yeah, like the the, the LOL, LOL dolls yeah. and the there. There's so many different. Well, ones. also like if you get like a cereal or a Happy Meal, you get the same kind of. Kind of, you could. Ju- that was always my experience. That you could kind of juice it. God, that's its own fucking segment. God, there were so many good Happy Meal toys. <laughs> the whole Power Rangers one, where you could get different discs to put inside the thing that you hold out. When I'm too you- old. God, Rachel. Um, <laughs> also, these days, like Gashapon sort of mechanics are huge in like mobile games. Like the only successful mobile games that come out are ones where like I'm actually really into one called Fire Emblem Heroes, where you like use orbs to get new units for your like fighting squad uh and that can be a pretty um uh money sucking way is gambling i mean we're all we're talking about here for this whole segment is just like kid gambling which is what i'm very into that (laughs) hey can i steal you away It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible! That's um th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Do you want to hear some personal messages? Yes. This one is for Kendall. It is from Dan. Nice. Beeb. Turns out I lied to you when I said I didn't get the Jumbotron. Whoops. Sorry for being a liar. I hope you're having fun with the Latin classes you're teaching this year. I can't wait to see you tonight and hear about all the weird things your students said today and tell you about what mine said. I love you. Love, Beeb. I'm about student-teacher confidentiality. I told my teachers... What about the fact that both of them are named Beeb? That's great. I like that. But this makes, this makes me scared because I told my teachers everything. They were my best friends. Oh, were they? They were my best friends. Tell me two of your teachers' names. Mrs. Norris and Mrs. Fortner. That was grade two and grade four. What were their first names? Uh, Mrs. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody know? Well, your mom was a teacher. That's a, your parents are teachers. That's that's fucking cheating. Because that's your. That, I know my dad's coworkers' full names. I can <laughs> I can go first and last name on pretty much every teacher I've ever had. Okay. Well. Okay. It's not a contest. <laughs> this next message is for Kate. It is from Craig. Kate, it's been. A wonderful 11 years, whenever this comes out, with our trips to Italy and France, a long D&D campaign, bus rides to family, and now exploring 14th century reenactment and week-long camping trips without modern gear. I'm so glad to have you by my side. Here's to more adventure, more art, and more hats for Shrew. Love you, Craig. 
Um, this is a great message. I think that when they said 11 years, whenever this comes out, they've actually only known each other for two years. They just sort of are banking on us goofing up and also camping without modern gear. Why deny yourself all that tech? Get out there. Get you a hatchet with a laser pointer on it. Get you a tent made out of flint. Oh, or like one of those hammers that we watch in the art restoration that has the magnet on one side and the little nail sticks to it. I'll find a use for that for camping. Yeah. You know, bludgeon a a bear to eat it. Or tack up a list of meals you're having. Or bludgeon a wolf that attacks my family. Mm Mm-hmm. Both of those. One of those has definitely happened to me. (laughs) I like the laid back vibe of this episode. (laughs) Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I'm just going to end with this. Everybody, you're doing a remarkable job of swimming through the shit show that is parenting. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's your second thing? Uh, My second thing, and this has probably come up from a listener submission, but I wanted to explore it a little deeper, and that is the smell of cut grass. Okay. Big fan. You're big into smells, I've noticed. I really love the smell of cut grass. Hey, you are the one that loves... No, maybe that was me. Book smell? That was you, my love. Book smell and also suntan lotion smell. Yeah, I think these have all been you. I'm big on smells, I guess. You are. I wonder if my olfactory senses are... I mean, I'm a super taster, but maybe I make up for that by not having good smell. I don't think you can be both. <laughs> it's true. I think it's, it's all connected up there. Anyway, good. Tell me about this. Uh, so the smell of cut grass is a mix of oxygenated hydrocarbons that include methanol, ethanol, acetaldehyde. Fuck yeah. Acetone. Uh, all those together are called green leaf volatiles. Okay. So these are things that, these are chemicals that live in leaves. Yes. Just waiting for you. Not to, leaves, grass. Just waiting. Well, it's probably in leaves too. Probably in leaves too. And it's just waiting for you to butcher them so they yeah, can so create these good the smells. Thing. So the smell isn't just an accidental byproduct of the, the cut grass. Uh, there is evidence that the smell that is emitted uh, is is a like a distress. Come on. Why do you keep doing this? Or you're like, when the leaves change colors, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And you're like, that's a tree crying because of its death. And now you're like, oh, you like that good grass smell? Yeah, that's a grass begging for its life. (laughs) Well, if you think about it. I don't. (laughs) They actually, there there was this this study done in Northwestern uh, where they looked at the difference in the smell of grass due to mechanical damage versus wounding from herbivores. So, uh, so like the mechanical process of cutting grass actually emits significantly more and different smell than like you well, know, yeah. if a little bunny's just snip oh, it that's away. That's good. I mean, I'm a blade of grass, right? And then a big, a, a small, cute bunny comes along and bites my entire body off. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, not great. Yeah, but this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> a big sort of, uh, you know, mech monster comes and kills me and everybody in a, you know, 100-yard radius. That's 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 
that'll mess you up as a blade of grass. Here's what I'll say though. Okay, so I saw that too. I saw the like the concerns of of <laughs> the, the protest, the protests that I'm going to lead against the big lawnmower companies yeah. tomorrow. But it also serves a purpose of alerting other organisms. <laughs> other grass get out of here guys he's got I mean, a lawnmower kind of, kind of like like who knows but <laughs> okay i've got sorry i've got to slow down a little bit i'm excited so there's there's the idea that other insects and like animals can get this scent and then know that like there's something significant happening okay. so it like helps them interesting and then i think it's possible the plants are also letting other plants know. To what end? I ask. I don't know. It's like they can get away. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> if I see a fucking like tulip, like using its leaves to like <clears throat> trying to drag itself down the street, I'm going to know that something my neighbor's cutting their lawn. This is wild to me. The smell of cut grass is grass telling other plants to get the fuck out of there. So other plants smell the smell of cut grass and think this is horrible. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Why do humans do this to us? When humans smell it, they're like, fuck yeah, we're doing this to plants. There's another thing. All right. I, I mean, I do love the smell. So yeah, I, I have to lean into the fact that I am supporting this carnage. But with wild tobacco plants, for example, they only emit that kind of G, what's called the green leaf volatiles, the GLV, when they are being grazed by caterpillars. And this acts as a signal to attract nearby bugs that prey on caterpillars. So it's like saying, hey, I'm under attack. Here's a smell that will attract your predator. So you'll stop eating meat. And this is tobacco that does this? Yes. Is to What? Has tobacco ever done anything good <laughs> for anyone? Uh, it's kind of incredible. Where's right? that? Where's that truth commercial? Where's that truth campaign? Tobacco sets honeypot traps for sweet caterpillars, like in the Eric Carl book. Can you believe these fucking guys don't smoke? Fifteen year olds. I I found this very fascinating. So I I looked it up because I just like I love I love that smell. Yes. Like for a while, Gap put out a perfume called Grass, and I was all over it. Like, yeah. Super great smell. And so I just kind of innocently said, "Smell of cut grass." And then I just found this like battle that exists, and the like the the smell that goes out and the impact it has on the creatures around it. Sure. It's fascinating. I mean, you seen Fern Gully? Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wasn't it the thing about book smell that it was the smell of the pages sort of rotting away? Yeah, I, right. I just, apparently I just like the smell of rot. I get the scent of decay. <laughs> Where's that fucking candle, Erica? Let's get that one. <laughs> let's get that one going. Um, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. My second thing is Groundhog Day. Now I know you're wondering. Am I about to listen to Griffin talk about this fucking movie again for like the 80th time on some podcast? I want to talk about the event itself. There's a lot of great stuff about Groundhog Day that I wasn't aware of until I started looking into it. Which I don't need to say that. That's all we do here on this show. It's redundant. Groundhog Day has um has a oh, history. Is this where they like look back to find the first instance of it? Yes. Yeah, so um 
first of all, it's just Groundhog Day. I've been fucking that up. I do. I inter- intermittently call it Groundhog's Day, which is I've seriously been doing that my entire life. And when is I think about it, it's like it. let's all celebrate Groundhogs. But that is kind of what we do. Um, so it's uh, it's mostly just a North American thing. Uh, mostly just sort of, and really, it's mostly Pennsylvania and like ten other places. Uh, and and Al Roker and Al Roker. Uh, its origins, like as we know it like as the event is, is mostly sort of Pennsylvania Dutch superstition. Um, but that even came from like uh, European lore. Namely, there is a uh, like a German uh, weather lore uh, that actually uses a badger, but it's basically the same thing. And weather lore like stretches back throughout like, you know, pre-recorded history. Uh, to of, when weather started. To when weather probably, or when the first person was like, have you all ever noticed? 1927. Yeah. Weather started. I think it was a bit before that. 1926. That was it. Uh, and so, like, it's hard to tell, like, where the actual, like, true root of animal-based weather lore was, but that's sort of the the closest etymology we got. Pennsylvania Dutch to, like, uh, European folklore. Uh, so the first Groundhog Day, as we know it, was in 1886. In Punxsutawney, mm-hmm. which is in Pennsylvania, uh, that is just you know Groundhog Day HQ. That's where that's where they do it. And you may be wondering why do they do it there? Yes, I am. Uh, it, it was reported in the Punxsutawney uh, newspaper in 1886, this first year that it was sort of like reported, uh, and they reported that quote up to the time of going to press, the beast has not seen its shadow, which I think is a very good way of referring to a groundhog. It'd be a be a beast to a mouse, huh? Yeah, I mean, or an ant, or a blade of grass mm-hmm. that uh, scent screamed as it ate was eaten by. I don't know what groundhogs eat. Um, so that report was from one Climber H. Freeze, who uh, was the city editor for the the Punxsutawney newspaper, uh, and Mister Climber just kind of decided that Groundhog Day is gonna be. Punxsutawney's thing. Interesting. I can't, I can't, there's so much conflicting, like, uh, there's so many conflicting stories about, like, the true, like, first Groundhog Day and how it sort of spun off to become its own thing. Uh, there was a local Elks Lodge, like, the, the very first sort of connection to Groundhog's and Punxsutawney is there was an elk lodge that uh, elk's lodge that that hunted groundhogs for meat, and they would just eat that. I guess so they had like a groundhog hunting club, and I guess Mister Climber was just like, "That's pretty cool. What if we just celebrated this uh, this Pennsylvania Dutch tradition and not only celebrated it, but made it the only thing that anybody in the entire world knows about our city." And the I love this sort of enterprising idea of like, we got to have a thing, guys. I know. Well, it's like New York has Times Square where the ball drops every year at midnight. Yes. And Puxatani has Groundhog Day. Yes. It's, it's one to one. It's one. It's basically one to one. It works partially because the dude like works for the newspaper, but also because like the lore of, of Punxsutawney and, and their Groundhog Day sort of capabilities sort of gets more fleshed out and embellished and it spreads across the country. And then it just sort of 
organically earns the title of this is where Groundhog Day happens is in this city. I really like that idea that one person can take a look at their town and say, Uh we've got nothing going on. Yeah. What if we are the city all about honeycomb cereal? And everybody's, mm-hmm. it's a very, no, I don't even think they make it anymore. But when people think about honeycomb cereal, they're going to think about us, mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hot dogs in West Virginia. Hot dogs in West Virginia. We got that game pretty much on lock. I know you're thinking like, what about New York hot dogs? What about blah, 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 blah. We got so many hot dogs in West Virginia. So many hot dogs. Hot dog festival, right? We got a hot dog festival. Mm-hmm. We have lots of festivals. So we do kind of, I feel like this. people try to do this in cities all the fucking time. I feel like West Virginia has changed its state motto to open for business. Very, very short-lived, if memory serves, motto was open for business. And that was literally just like the government saying, this will get the business here. <laughs> we'll just extend an open invitation. This one newspaper editor was like, this is Groundhog Day Central, baby. And everybody's like, what do you do? Sure, we kill and eat them sometimes. When I but- was a kid, I was real into Groundhog Day. Like, I, I thought really like the fate of the year hung on that groundhog. Yeah, that's too bad because Phil's hit rate is like 37%. Oh, really? By the way, Phil, he wasn't even, they didn't even think to name, this is their whole shit. They didn't even think to name the fucking groundhog until 1961. They've been doing it nearly a century before they decided to assign the the animal a title. Uh, So they just keep doing it and uh, the, the groundhog keeps doing a very bad job. Uh, but then other cities just like kind of also start, they want to get in on yeah, the action yeah, yeah. and a lot of it's just sort of like, oh, they look like they're having fun. We're going to have fun too. Uh, there's the slumbering groundhog lodge, uh, which I don't know. I didn't write down where that is, but that's a fun name for a place in 1907. They started doing their thing with a taxidermied woodchuck. So oh. good try. Oh. Your name is the slumbering groundhog lodge and you use a fucking stuffed woodchuck. So that er, that's wild. Anyway, uh, Raleigh in Raleigh, North Carolina at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences, they still do an observation here. Only their groundhog's name is Sir Walter Wally. And this dude's right 58% of the time. That's impressive. It should be around 50%, I believe, right? And Phil, oh gosh, I wouldn't even know how to start that calculation. I wouldn't either. So Phil has actually been right thirty nine percent, according to the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences, which has receipts on your ass, Phil. <laughs> uh, the best, though, the best city that is taking a, a, a swing at the throne is Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. It's a city in Wisconsin that um, basically not long after the Punxsutawney sort of observations began and it began to be like recognized as the spot, uh, Sun Prairie was like, well, we're going to do that. We would like to be the Groundhog Day city. Why can't, why not us? And this ignited a horrible feud between the two cities thousands of lives lost in this conflict (laughs) uh the punxsutawney newspaper actually burned sun prairie in the paper uh like writing about them trying to steal the throne uh they said that it is a quote remote two cow village buried somewhere in the wilderness and in response sun prairie started calling the next year's groundhog day observation uh quote the groundhog day capital of the world (laughs) fuck you punxsutawney (laughs) so this this brew this this feud kind of simmered uh and then in 2015 just a few years ago, disaster struck. The The groundhog in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, was a little dude named Jimmy, which is very good. 
which is we're starting off very, very good with this little story. So did he get caught doing drugs? He did a uh, hundred drugs for <laughs> groundhog drugs too, which is the most powerful drugs known to man. During the part of the ceremony where Jimmy's supposed to whisper the results into the mayor's ear, Mayor Freund, uh, Jimmy bit him. Oh my god! Jimmy bit him on the ear. It was there's a video of it. I watched it today <laughs> and fucking cackled because I love seeing sort of like the underdog take a swing at the man, and you don't get much better than this. This tiny little, uh, well, this big rat sort of biting the the city leader. I think is extremely good. It was scandalous. It made headlines across the globe. Uh, the next day, Freund, and this is a pretty good move. Uh, issued a mayoral pardon for his <laughs> groundhog nice. assault. However, and this is like the moral of the story, the rest of the story that happened uh, the, the year following after like the meme had died down, uh, the bite got the attention of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources uh, who found that they didn't have the necessary licenses required to exhibit an animal, which you would need for this exact kind of sort of event. And so Jimmy had to be released into a field the following year. Oh my gosh. There's lots of ways of looking at that story. I look at it like Jimmy, a captive <laughs> to guess the weather incorrectly year yeah. after year, took took a fateful hunk out of the mayor's ear and earned his fucking the keys to yeah. his captivity. Yeah, or he like it was his plan all along of like this is the year I get out and here's how I'm going to do it. And then Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, they had to just close the whole town. <laughs> because they fucking lost in the game of Groundhog Day, you win or you die. The and ear biting capital of the world. You stepped upon Satani, and now you are the goofballs <laughs> who got your ear bit. Uh, we may have listeners in Sun Prairie. It was worth the effort. You're the second best Groundhog Day city in the world, and there's lots of cities, so you got to take yeah. that one. Where do you think Austin is on that list of Groundhog Day cities? I don't even think we do it. Do we yeah, do it? No, I don't think so. Again, there's not that many places that do it. And yet, this one shows up on every calendar. I love that. There's lots of holidays that I don't celebrate, even ones that I used to celebrate. Uh-huh. Groundhog Day, I've never, is never really, Groundhog Day, I never remember that it's happening until I see that like Groundhog Day is on TBS. I remember... I remember when I was at school, if I like missed the notification, I'd like be asking around at the end of the day, like, hey, do we know? Did the groundhog see a shadow? Do we know what happened with that? And yet it's still on every calendar that gets printed. And I love that. And it's just because of these enterprising individuals who are like, Groundhog Day is my thing. I just mm -hmm. like that. I like yeah, that a lot. It's nice. And I like the event. I like that everybody looks at an animal to decide if it's going to be cold or not tomorrow. I got some submissions here from our friends. You want to hear them? Yes. Sarah says uh, the thermos is very good. Uh, Sarah is sick right now, but uh, says, quote, I use my travel thermos to make a second batch of tea that I can sip throughout the day as I sleep and recover. It keeps that good, good tea hot like it was just out of the kettle. Mm. I love uh, insulated cup devices. Yeah, we have a lot of them. I feel like you're, you're, you've really been on a quest. Well, my nodding got our whole family hooked on Tervis tumblers, yeah. which are like those vacuum sealed, like see-through cups. Yeah. And they were basically the only types of cups that we had at our house growing up because of that. So I just got spoiled. I, I love my beverages to stay the same temperature for as long as possible. I got a, what is that Yeti thing? Yeah. A little Yeti tumbler that I hold much coffee in and it keeps it hot through, through lunchtime. Uh, Hannah says, my rediscovered wonder is geocaching. It's so fun to tromp around your city and find little treasures and see who else is visiting uh, visited it's exhilarating when you find an especially tricky one 
Uh, is, I can't wait till Henry's old enough for you to get him into that. I can't wait either. That Pokemon Go will do both. I'll have two phones out. One's got Pokemon on it. One's got little secret mazes and riddles on it. <laughs> and here's one from Nicole who says, my small wonder is laser tag. Winter can be a bummer season, so I got a big group of friends together recently to play. It was so fun to run around, sweat, and embrace my inner child. Keyword there for me is sweat. Yeah, we did this not long ago for a friend's birthday. At a place called Blazer Tag here mm-hmm. in Austin, which is great. And I was so excited to go. And then as soon as the match was over, I thought I might actually have a, a big heart attack and pass away to heaven. Hey, can I thank some listeners for yes! gifts? Uh, so we finally went to our P.O. Box. Don't say finally. We said we'd go <laughs> monthly and we did. Uh, I wanted to thank Julia for the uh, Sandra Boynton book for Henry. I wanted to thank Jackie for the uh, Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. I want to thank, I want to jump in here, thank Crafty Tibbles for the little doll of uh, oh, me and my doll. hat. It's very good. Uh, I want to thank Anna for the Look for Small Wonders Every Day piece of art. It's I wanna, beautiful. I want to thank Michael, who works at Bose, I guess, and sent me some super nice Bose headphones, which I needed because I keep breaking my, my headphones. Uh, that was That was very cool. Thank you very much. I uh, also got a cutting board from Emily that says uh, Griffin's Chopping Zone on it. And that's, uh, you know, that's going to get heavy rotation. We got a lot of other really great invitations and cards and and just really sweet gestures. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you all so much. Uh, the P.O. Box, if you want to send stuff to it, that is uh, not jokey joke horse magazines. Because, folks, P.O. Boxes are not that big. We didn't get any horse magazines when I went this last time. Well, maybe I shouldn't tempt fate. Um, then you can send it to us at P.O. Box 26038, Austin, Texas, 78755. Uh, and we check that monthly, so don't send any food, please. Um, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. Uh, Bowen just sent me, he did the uh, the music, the soundtrack for uh, a new game that's out on Switch. Uh, that looks very, very cool. It's called Pikuniku. And uh, I was listening to some of the soundtrack as he sent it over. And it's very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, that's great. And also, the money won't pay is good, too. And Maximum Fun. Yeah, thank you to MaximumFun.org for hosting our show and lots of other spectacular shows like The Flophouse. And stop podcasting yourself. I'm going to steal that one. That's a steal. <laughs> Uh, you can check them all out, and I would recommend you do so. And we have stuff at McElroy.Family, which is our new website. You can find all kinds of stuff there. Uh, today, actually, there should be a new Monster Factory out. I've been waiting for that Monster Factory. I know. Factory. I teased it last week. I thought it was out last week, but it's out today uh, there at McElroy.Family, okay. and uh, I hope you all enjoy it. And, uh, oh, hey, if you live in Birmingham or New Orleans, uh like tomorrow <laughs> we're going on tour from a bim bam and taz birmingham are going to be there thursday new orleans are going to be there saturday doing taz and sunday doing my bim bam i believe and you can find uh tickets for that at macro family uh please come see us and that's it so let's end the show with one of our fun skits and sketches that we do um i've been working on on some and i know you've been working on some that you're really mm-hmm, excited mm-hmm, about mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So we have there. Here's one called actually Human Gashapon that is, and the whole thing here is that you're gonna put. I have a big sack of quarters here, quarters, and you just put them in my mouth, and uh-huh. and I, I don't know how. Maybe it's just sort of mime work, which you know I'm good at. But toys come out of my butt, out of your butt. Then that's what jokes it. That's what jokes is. I learned that from George Carlin mm. at his joke school. 
but I went to in 1981. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Not all heroes wear capes. Some heroes watch war movies and then review them. (laughs) Friendly Fire is a war movie podcast for people who don't necessarily like war movies, although it does not exclude people who love war movies. I'll have you know that I am wearing a cape. My cape is just made of sound deadening material from an audio recording studio. (laughs) It's a really great show. John's daughter doesn't like it because we sometimes say swear words on it, but almost everybody else that has ever listened to it has enjoyed the the program. Download and subscribe to Friendly Fire wherever you get your podcasts. To the victor, go the spoiler alerts.